The Soccer Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet365. Bet365 is offering new users a $1,000 risk-free bet. Sign up today at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash bet365. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash bet365. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting research platform for parlays, player props and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. You are listening to an international special here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. You can follow the Soccer Gambling Podcast X account on X at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. You can follow Sports Gambling Podcast Network either at the SGP Network. That's at the SGP Network or at Gambling Podcast. That's at Gambling Podcast. You can also follow my other X account as well. That one is at Lockbang X. That's at Lockbang X. It's important to follow that account because that is the account where I post my monthly P&L profit and loss spreadsheet. I always post it and then I always pin the newest one to the top of the page. So at the moment, you can see the pinned tweet is the month of October and the month of October was good for over £2,800, which is just shy of $3,500 once converted. And most significantly, it was my 125th consecutive month of transparent and tracked profit. All of the spreadsheets are posted on the website lockbetting.com. That's also where you can sign up for my additional plays. Before you sign up for additional plays, I do encourage you to look at the other spreadsheets. I encourage as much due diligence as possible because a lot of people are saying this and that. But when you look through my spreadsheets, you will see I have got there with an impeccably and sensibly managed bankroll every single month. I make betting accessible for anyone with a disposable income because if you don't have that disposable income and you need to win, you shouldn't be gambling anyway. Gambling isn't to get you out of a hole. It is a hobby, but I can make it a profitable hobby on a month-to-month basis as I have done so far for 125 straight months, which means for over a decade. I've been undefeated in sports betting. Sensible bankroll management means that when I lose a play, I don't double the stake for the next one. I don't have five unit plays. I don't have 10 unit plays. I don't have max plays. I don't have whale plays. I don't have play of the year nonsense. Most of my plays are around about half a unit. And if I'm really confident, I'll go up to one unit, which is what the locks should be, which I recommend at the end of the show. So those locks usually translate to one unit plays because they are the best play that I think will win on the podcast. So I usually put those as one unit plays. Very, very rarely we see 1.5 units or two units or even three units. Um, that usually only happens for futures and it only happens for futures because all time we have an 89.4% record with futures across the last decade. So if you want to get involved, head over to lockbetting.com. If you have any questions, then shoot me up on the X account. That's at X. That's at Lock Betting X. So moving on with this show, 
Obviously, you're listening to this and the final international games have all kicked off, bar one, which is probably the only one you guys are interested in, and that is Brazil and Argentina. I'm going to get to that on this show. That will be the only game that we are covering. As for the rest of the show, we are going to look at the aftermath of the qualifying campaign. We are going to visit the very early futures markets. And I'm going to tell you what I think of three or four teams who are challenging for the competition. I thought that would be a more productive show than wasting time covering more of these qualifiers, which, quite frankly, have been difficult to watch. A lot of the teams don't care. They're already through as the group winner or a team who have automatically qualified already. There was some seeding to play for with the top five qualifiers getting seeding positions. But ultimately, that is it, which has led to some very, very drab games. England in particular have been very, very poor and unwatchable. So rather than forcing plays and potentially losing you guys more money, because it's been a long, long time since I lost back-to-back locks, which I have done on these last two international shows, simply down to the fact that the motivation just wasn't there um, for the for the Switzerland team to get over the line against Kosovo. That was why we ended up losing the parlay, and that was bound to happen at some point. Going in with those, um, those money-line parlays, those arsehole parlays, that was never going to be profitable. The fact that we hit three in a row really goes against everything that I think about those, and it's almost a good thing that we lost those eventually to prove that it isn't a foolproof way of making money. And uh, the other one was just the end of Argentina's record. Argentina's unbeaten record after the World Cup, where they hadn't even conceded a goal, ended as Uruguay scored the first goal and went on to score the second and won the game in Argentina. They've now beaten both Brazil and Argentina, who play each other tonight. So we're going to cover that game now. And then we're going to move on to looking at the Euros. Before we cover that game, let me take a quick pause to let you know that we are brought to you by Bet365. Bet365 is the world's favourite sportsbook trusted by over 88 million players worldwide. Prop size, totals, live betting. Bet365 has you covered. And if you like boosts, you're going to love Bet365. Like a 30% profit boost on your NFL same game parlay. Plus, they even have an early payout offer if your NFL teams go 17 points up. And they have an early payout offer, which is more um, relevant to us because they pay you out if your team goes 2-0 up. So the lock on Scarsetta Italia a few weeks ago, where AC Milan lost 3-2, you would have got paid out on the lock because Milan were 2-0 up at the half. Likewise, earlier on in the season, if you had bet on Chelsea to beat Arsenal, and the game ended up being a draw, so you would have lost at other books, at Bet365, you would have won, and they also would have paid out on the draw as well. So sign up today and choose from two bonus offers, either a $1,000 no-sweat bet or bet $5 and get $150 in bonus bets. Just head over to sportsgallonpockers.com slash bet365. That's sportsgallonpockers.com slash bet365 or use the sign-up link in our show bio. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-G-A-M-B-L-E-R. Argentina's 14-match winning run came to an end on Thursday at La Bombonera against Marcelo Bielsa and Uruguay. It was the first time since Messi and Argentina lost in a game since their game against Saudi Arabia at the World Cup. Here's another one. It was also their first loss at a World Cup qualifier since 2017 and their first loss in a World Cup qualifier since 2016. 
So it's quite a remarkable achievement. Let's focus on Argentina for a second. I'll get to Uruguay in a moment. But they looked lethargic. They didn't look ready. I don't know if it was the change of venue, because obviously the recent matches have been at the Monumental Stadium from River Plate, which, by the way, had to be rescheduled due to Taylor Swift playing in Argentina. So they go to La Bombonera, of course. And they knew that this game was going to be difficult for so many reasons. And I'll get to Uruguay in a second. But despite the you know majority of possession for Argentina, despite the shots on target, which was only three to two against Uruguay, they didn't really get clicking. They couldn't figure out how to defeat a very aggressive, a very impressive Uruguayan side. So now Argentina lose their first game in a very, very long time. But luckily, they still remain top of the table until next week, of course, when uh, they face Brazil, which will be a huge game because Brazil lost to Colombia in the game on Thursday as well. So now they're fifth. All right, let's focus on Uruguay for a second. As I said from day one, everybody, Marcelo Yelsa and Uruguay are a dream match made in heaven because of their youth, their aggressiveness, and the way they like to penetrate in matches The great thing about a Marcelo Bielsa and Uruguay system is that they wait for the opponent to come with the ball. And the moment they lose it, boom, they come at you. And that's exactly what happened on Thursday night against Argentina, which, by the way, Darwin Nunez scoring that winner 2-0 in that second goal. He also scored against Brazil. So it's the first time since 1960 since Uruguay have beaten Brazil and Uruguay and Argentina in the same cycle. It was a really perfect Perfect match from Uruguay. And they delivered the typical Bielsa system, the typical Bielsa way. Penetrating, suffocating. The moment Argentina lost the ball in their own half, they just were at them 24-7. There was a little bit of a scuffle in the 28th minute when Matias Oliveira got into a fight with Rodrigo de Paul. Messi got in the middle of it, and it was, it was pretty hectic. But that pretty much was the theme of the story in that game. So full credit to Uruguay, who, by the way, are now second in Conmebol standings. Tremendous. So far, as I said, as I told you, Bielsa and Uruguay are a match, are a dream made in heaven. For Argentina, it was a good test, but no doubt about it, they'll come back and fight once again. The big one is next week as they face Brazil at Maracanã Stadium. It is indeed the big one, and that's what we're going to talk about now. Both of these teams need a positive result here. I think more so Brazil... Argentina have a lot more credit in the bank. They are the current world champions. They've lost two games in 52. An Argentina defeat is very, very rare. And uh, they come into this game against Brazil, who have themselves have suffered back-to-back losses as a 21-10 to 10 underdog. It's the same price on the draw. And Brazil here are the 5-4 to four favourites. I don't see the game playing out that way. I don't see Brazil as favourites, even though it is at the American R and Brazil's two defeats have come away from home. They just are lacking something at the moment. The coaching situation is a mess. The current coach is an interim coach and we know he's going to be replaced by Carlo Ancelotti, but they actually have to get to the World Cup first. I don't think that's going to be an issue. At the moment, they sit fifth, but there are too many weak teams in South American qualifying for it to be an issue. The issue is the fact that Brazil don't like to lose 
And it's embarrassing to lose these games for them. And to lose three in a row is absolutely unthinkable. But this Argentina team are in a bounce back here. I'd almost like Brazil more to bounce back themselves if Argentina themselves weren't in a bounce back spot off the back of a lacklustre performance where they did look a little bit tired. But also, I felt there was a little bit of complacency in that performance. One thing I don't think you'll see here is complacency from the back lines because nobody will want to lose this game. Neither team will want to lose to each other. So I think you're going to see some aggression. At the same time, I think you're going to see conservative play. It's not going to be the back and forth game that people probably expect. I mean, the bookies don't because under two and a half goals here is priced up just shy of minus 200. So the bookies know what type of game it will be. But punters will probably be watching this game, looking for it to be very entertaining, thinking that this was the World Cup semi-final that they were robbed of. Because remember, Brazil was supposed to play against Argentina but they were complacent themselves once again in the World Cup against Croatia were ultimately knocked out on penalties and in the end Argentina were able to cruise past Croatia in the World Cup semi-finals so people will feel robbed that they didn't get to see that and in the end saw Argentina go through relatively comfortably but at the end of the day you have to beat what's in front of you and Brazil have been complacent for a while And now their complacency is catching up with them because now they're not even sailing through South American qualification. You'd like to think that they can give a backs-to-the-wall performance here, but with the likes of Gabriel Jesus, Neymar, Casemiro all out, I'm not holding out much hope for a Brazilian win. If anything, I see a very, very solid Argentina defensive performance where they get back to basics, they shut Brazil out and they possibly potentially nick something on the counter-attack instead. Argentina usually lose to Brazil, but they turn that round lately. They've won two of the last three meetings with Brazil by a 1-0 scoreline and have won to nil actually in eight of the last nine matches with that obviously ended in the last game because we know Argentina came out the World Cup with no hangover and won every single game and won it without conceding a goal. Brazil are winless in their last three games and have lost their last two which makes them very difficult to back here. I'm going to actually go for a lack of goals here in this game. I'm going to go for both teams to score. No, because the under two and a half goals, which I also think will hit, is too juiced. Both teams to score hasn't landed in any of Argentina's nine games since the World Cup final, with Argentina not scoring themselves in the last one. And it also hasn't landed in their last seven straight meetings with Brazil. Brazil, they are far from the offensive juggernaut that people associate them with usually being. They've only scored three goals in their last four matches. And as I said, neither of these two teams will want to lose to each other. So I think getting BTTS no here at the price of 10 to 11 minus 110 does offer up some decent value for this game. The data tells you it's going to be low scoring. The only reason you're probably getting this price is because it's Brazil. It's Argentina. Everybody's expecting three or four goals or more here from this game. It isn't going to be that type of game. Both of these two teams know how to defend. Both of these two teams won't want to lose to each other. It's going to be gritty. It's going to be ugly. And I think it's going to be decided most likely by a single goal and a 
great moment from a great player. And I would lean Argentina in that situation because they do have those great players who are producing those great moments. Brazil have great players too, but they're not delivering at the moment. And they have some key men missing here. Their coaching situation is a mess. Brazil will need to sort that out if they even want to get to the World Cup. It's absolutely unthinkable they won't get there. They, they will get there. Carlo Ancelotti will be managing this team in the World Cup in America. They just need to get their shit together very, very quickly. But I don't see it starting with a win today at the American Art against Argentina. Um, I'm going to go for a low-scoring game, though, as my main lead. BTTS, no, at 10 to 11, minus 110. Before we move on to touching on the Euro 2024 futures markets and talking about the qualification process and some of the standout teams, let me take a quick pause here to tell you guys about Underdog Fantasy. Underdog has a way to play alongside your favourite fantasy players all season long. NFL, NBA, NHL, college basketball and college football. Simply pick higher or lower on your favourite players' fantasy stats and cash in. So watch along, make your picks and maybe make a little cash on the way on Underdog's mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up with the promo code SGPN, Underdog will double your first deposit of up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy and the promo code SGPN. Let me also utilise this pause to tell you guys about Hall of Fame bets where you should stop betting in the dark and join over 30,000 users researching with Hall of Fame Bets to craft more intelligent, data-driven parlays. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hrfbets.com and use that code SGPN to get 50% off your first month today. Start researching, start winning with Hall of Fame Bets. Moving on to Euro 2024, where we have seen Spain win Group A, France have won Group B, England have won Group C, Turkey look like they're going to win Group D tonight. Albania are the surprise winners of Group E. Belgium have won Group F. Hungary came through as the winners of Group G. Denmark on goal difference beat Slovenia to win Group H. And Romania look like the likely winners of Group I, unless Switzerland can get a win tonight. And Portugal came through as the winners of Group J with a 100% record. They were joined by runners-up Scotland, the Netherlands, Italy, um, either Wales or Croatia, depending on tonight's results. The Czech Republic, Austria, Serbia, Slovenia... Um, Switzerland or Romania will win the group, but the the runner-up will go through as well, which is likely to be Switzerland. And Slovakia were the runners-up in the Portugal group. So looking at the groups, obviously Portugal under Roberto Martinez were the most impressive. But what did we actually learn from these groups? Well, I don't think we learned too much. What are we supposed to take from the fact that most of the favourites won the groups quite convincingly? England... They have a lot of talent, but they typically threw in some poor performances. We are still going with the same players, despite the fact they are not in form with their with their league teams. And that is an issue because Gareth Southgate hasn't won any major tournament and it's his negative play that has sometimes been the issue. England aren't utilising this attack, this wealth of attacking talent. We need to get as many of these players on the pitch as possible. England need to be implementing a 
three-man midfield with two number eights and not two number sixes. But it looks like he's still going to be implementing the two number sixes. And in any team where Jordan Henderson or Calvin Phillips, who's had no minutes for Manchester City, are playing ahead of um, either Phil Foden or Jack Grealish, whoever can play in that number 10 role instead, for me, that is an issue. We are likely to go with Declan Rice as one holder. And we're probably going to put Phillips or Henderson alongside Declan Rice with Jude Bellingham in the number 10 role. But I have absolutely no issue with Jude Bellingham in the number 10 role. He's one of the, if not the best midfield player in the world at the moment. But we can play Bellingham alongside somebody in that eight position. We can play Bellingham and Foden, or we can play Bellingham and Trent Alexander-Arnold. Maybe he is going to go in that direction because Trent has been getting those minutes in the last two games. The problem is those last two performances for England have been absolutely woeful, and England are too often guilty of throwing in these woeful performances. Now, understand these games don't matter, but France won 14-0 against Gibraltar in a game that also didn't matter. So we know France have the players. We know France deliver on a major tournament. We know when it comes down to the overall combination of experience delivering at the tournament and talent, France are the best team. They just got to the World Cup final, despite the fact that not many not, not many people fancied them because they had poor form coming in, particularly in the Nations League, as did England. Both those teams had poor form in the Nations League. And you know what? They're up against each other in the quarterfinals of the World Cup as two of the favourites to win it. So you can't take anything really away from the form going into the tournament. The two favourites are England and France, both priced up at 4-1 to one at the moment. And behind them is Germany. Now, you can take something from what Germany are doing going into the tournament. Germany didn't even have to qualify. But based on their friendly results alone, accompanied by a very poor World Cup, they ended up getting rid of Hansi Flick and have now bought in Nagelsmann. But Nagelsmann still managed his team to their first defeat the other day when they were beaten 3-2 at home to Turkey, testing Kai Havertz out as a left-back. God knows what he was doing there, showing that even he can't fix the issues defensively for the Germans. Now, he has started with one win, one draw and a loss, but he should have had three wins coming against USA, Mexico and Turkey. So it's a very, very worrying time for Germany. And despite the fact that you can look at France and England and say some of those poor results or some of those poor performances don't matter, you cannot say the same for the Germans because this is the only preparation they have and they look in poor shape and 7-1 on the Germans looks too short. You've got Spain at 8-1, but obviously they've got a big injury now with Gavi, the Barcelona star, being out. That's going to be a significant loss to their midfield. I still don't think they have the cutting edge in attack. I still don't think they have that number nine who can win you a tournament. I don't trust Morata. But likewise, when we look at Portugal, despite the fact they came through with a 100% record, I don't trust a 40-year-old Ronaldo at a major tournament either. And that could be the problem for them. Behind them, you have the current European champions, Italy, who just about scraped through qualifying on goal difference ahead of Ukraine. And there was a contentious decision at the end where Ukraine should have got a penalty. Belgium are at 16 to 1. Their golden generation has passed and Holland are at 16 to 1 but I actually think Holland are at a big price at 16 to 1 they comfortably navigated through qualifying and their 11 their first 11 is actually very very solid it's when you look at squad depth that Holland don't have the squad that they've previously had over the last 20-25 years but at 16 to 1 that's a big price for Holland when you look at the first 11 that they can bring into this tournament aside from that everybody else is bigger than 33 to 1 I think Croatia's players are getting to the wrong age now. They're the wrong side of 35. It's going to be very difficult to see them doing anything at the tournament. 
And uh, I can't really make a case for the likes of Denmark, Switzerland, Turkey, Serbia or Scotland either. So the winner is going to come from the teams that we covered. And I do believe it will come from either England, France or Portugal. I think one of those three teams will win it. I think the Ronaldo situation is a concerning one, but you do have Gonzalo Ramos, who's a more versatile type centre forward. He isn't your outright number nine. Um, he can move around and become more of a false nine and integrate the, the wide players more, which will allow somebody like Jal Felix to come into the team and have more of a role if they decide to do that. If Roberto Martinez decides that it isn't working with Cristiano Ronaldo. Now remember, Portugal did make that decision in the last tournament at the World Cup and it had very, very positive results. They then changed again for the, um, for the quarterfinal and just could not break down Morocco. And they came up against a very, very stubborn defensive Morocco team that they couldn't break down. And that was Portugal's downfall. Prior to that, they did look like the best team at the World Cup. And again, that always seems to be the problem with Portugal. They they, 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 they go through the qualifying campaign very easily. They put in some very, very strong performances. And then suddenly they are susceptible to an upset. And now I'm not putting, I'm not putting the blame of that on Ronaldo's shoulders. What Ronaldo has done up until this point of his career has been absolutely phenomenal. To go to Saudi Arabia as well. He's not just gone there and scored goals that we expected him to score. He has been a leader and he has scored some phenomenal goals. Goals that he could have scored in any league in the world. So Ronaldo is far from finished. And perhaps this is going to be Ronaldo's final say, winning a major tournament. Obviously, it's not going to be a World Cup. But is anyone going to be surprised to see Ronaldo turning up in the USA and playing in that 2026 World Cup or at least being part of the squad? I wouldn't because the guy's an absolute machine. And no matter what his age says, he has the body of a 25-year-old and is probably physically um, physically the same as other footballers in their early 30s. So I'm not worried too much about Cristiano Ronaldo. It's just that under the previous regime, he was the main focal point of the team. Everything had to go through Ronaldo. Well, Ronaldo's not that player anymore. You can't have the likes of Bruno Fernandes and Rafael and Jao Felix and Gonzalo Ramos all just looking for Cristiano Ronaldo. Ronaldo can be there. Ronaldo can pick up the bits and pieces. Ronaldo can still take the chance, the half chances. Ronaldo is still a player you can look look for in the box. If you utilise Ronaldo the right way, which isn't giving everything to Ronaldo and thinking that you're going to get the Ronaldo that you've seen for the last 15, 20 years, if he's just your centre forward and he's in there doing centre forward things, then that's the way that you utilise Cristiano Ronaldo. Perhaps that will be the key to, to help Portugal win it and perhaps at the price of 9-1 to one, they'll look very, very big, especially after coming through this qualification campaign with a 100% record. That's it for me and this international special. We'll be back at the weekend with your usual shows, which will be Bet MUFC, Scamessa Italia and the EPL show as well. But prior to that, as I mentioned at the weekend, there will be a bonus EPL show, which is going to be looking at the relegation futures based on the fact that Everton have been deducted 10 points. And we'll also be talking about what that could potentially mean for Manchester City and Chelsea, who have engaged in far worse practices and have breached far more rules than Everton have. So what will it mean for them and how will that how will that affect the future of the EPL? We're also going to do a bonus edition of Bet 
MUFC, looking at the potential takeover with Jim Ratcliffe set to take over with uh, with 25%, set to take a football operations with his 25%. That seems to be going through. And looking at Man United's start to the season and what may happen moving forward as we enter into the Christmas period. So make sure you check out those two bonus shows and make sure you check out all of the usual content when that returns at the weekend. Until then, good luck with all of your bets as always. And thanks for listening.